doing youth camps and things, he is a phenomenal speaker, and he is full of the Holy Spirit. And so, are you ready, church? Are you ready to receive what God has to speak this morning? Well, let's welcome him up. Awesome. Well, hey, listen, it's so good to be here with all of you today. Um, I, I came up to Alaska for the first time six years ago. Uh, I knew one person in the entire state of Alaska, and uh, so I, I had never in my life thought I would be preaching in this state as often as I do. And uh, I, ironically, or not ironically, interesting is a better way to say it. Interestingly enough, our church that I was at and on staff at at the time, we had a prophetic conference about a year before I came here for the first time. And um, there is a prophet, her name's Jane Hammond. Uh, any of you familiar with maybe Jane Hammond or Bill Hammond, Bishop Bill Hammond? Um, Jane had prophesied over my wife and I, and she, she said a handful of things. She prophesied the house we bought and all kinds of stuff, and it was fun. But one of the things she prophesied was she said that the Lord is going to take you to a region, and you, he's put a mandate on your life to redig wells of revival. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I'm a revivalist, and so that was a really exciting word, but it also felt really generic. I was like, well, yay, good. That's a good one. Thank you. Uh, I like specific words, you know? And it's like, okay, well, this is, this is a good one. And, and she goes, as a sign, as a sign that this mandate is on your life, you're going to fly into the same two airports over and over and over and over again. And when you find yourself going to the same two airports over and 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 over again, you will know that, th that there's a mandate for that region. And so about a year after she prophesied that, I had never been to Alaska before, and I got invited. I went and spoke in the Fairbanks, actually up at North Pole, so the, the North Pole Air Fairbanks area. Spoke up there in February. It was stupid cold. <laughs> it was, I got off the plane and breathed in, and my lungs hurt, you know? <gasps> and... Uh, and that meeting, we saw one demonized kid set free. The Lord set free this young person who was demonized. And it was good meetings, but really, uh, they weren't wild. There was, there was one, one really, really unique uh, encounter. And out of that, I got an invitation to come back in the summer. And so I flew into uh, Anchorage. And um, long story short, over the past six years, I come to Alaska between three to four times a year. And I've preached all over the state. Um, I've done numerous, I don't even know how many youth events, um, dozens, honestly, dozens of youth events, but now uh, I've, I've even spoken in dozens of churches. I'll be back in Alaska, I'll be in Valdez two weeks from now, so I'm flying home only to fly back up here in two weeks, and uh, it's, it's a long journey to do that, but uh, I say that to say that being with you this morning, um, it's an honor, and I, 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 the first time that I came to Wasilla, uh, I actually attended this church as a guest on a Sunday. I was speaking throughout the weeks, and I sat right back. Actually, uh, Helen, I, I was told about you, you and your, your husband, late, of course, passed now, but yes, yeah, started this church years ago, and I've heard so many of the wonderful stories of what the history of this church has been in the region, so I just, I honor you guys for doing what God called you to do, and uh, yeah, so, but I sat kind of in the area where you're at right now. I sat over there, and and I, I, I never asked, I never talked to your husband, uh, Melinda, I never talked to pastor and said, hey, I want to come preach here, but I, I was here that day, and I, I, I told uh, Pastor Mitch this this morning, I, and for years now I've said, I want to preach at that church, because there's, there's, the presence of the Lord is here, 
And, uh, and man, the presence of God's here. This morning, I was in pastor's office, and uh, a few ladies, Mel, Pam, Mel's are here, Pam, uh, Melody, they, they prayed for me, and there was just, I was like, holy cow, like, the, you guys love the Lord Jesus. I told them they smelled like the aroma of his name. You just, it was wonderful, and so I'm excited to be here today, and, uh, and, and I, I say all that to say that um, I love to preach and I love to teach. I don't know many pastors that don't love to preach and teach, right? But beyond just my love to preach and teach the Word of God, I, I am here this morning expecting the Lord to move. And when you have a prophetic word and you have a call of God, you have reasonable expectation to believe the, for the miraculous, uh, so, so I think everyone in this room, we can have a reasonable expectation to see some fun stuff this morning. Uh, I was preaching in Juneau um, last year, and I shared this story this past week to some of the students out at uh, the campgrounds. But I was preaching in Juneau and, uh, at Juneau Christian Center. Some of you might be aware, Pastor, I know you guys know, of course, Pastor Mike. And I was preaching at their church, and one of their staff members, Sarah, there, um, she was a young girl, and when she was a young girl, a young teenager, she was in a car accident. And in that car accident, she, she, was, she, she, she was very injured, and she had to have some plastic reconstructive surgery done to her face as a result of that. And throughout the years, I didn't know this, but throughout the years, she, she, has, uh, she had no feeling in her cheeks because of all the nerve damage and, and from the plastic surgery. And so uh, they did a great job. I never even knew she had plastic surgery. She looks fantastic, but I, I didn't know that there was damage there. And, and one of the services, very much, it was a Sunday morning service, very similar to this. Uh, I, I wasn't preaching on healing or anything like that. And, and she came forward, and I just gently laid hands on her. And she said she could feel, like, electricity go all over her. And she felt electricity go from the back of her neck over the top of her head to her top lip, back over her head again. And then she felt the tears on her cheeks for the first time since she was a teenager. And whether God gave her new nerves or revived dead nerves, I don't know. But isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? There is another girl I shared this testimony to. These are just a fun. I want to share some testimonies of that happened right here in Alaska. Uh, because it's, it's fun to talk about God does all over the world, but we're right here. So I want to build your faith for what God's done in this state. Um, you know, there's another testimony, a lady from Petersburg um, in Southeast uh, she, she was much like the woman in the Bible with the issue of blood. She, she had a hormonal imbalance. I was unaware of the hormonal imbalance. And, and because of that, she had some bleeding issues. And I, I was unaware. And we're preaching. Uh, I'm preaching. And while preaching, I didn't know that, that she, had, um, she, had, she had filled three, three you know, pads worth of blood in just, just about an hour. Um, and for, that's, that's quite a bit. So she was about ready to leave, and she made, she made arrangements. She was ready to get out and go to Anchorage, even. Like, she needed to first go to Juneau, get to the hospital, and she was, she was making plans. Last time that it happened, she had to have an ovary removed. And, uh, and I, I was unaware of any of this, and I just a word of knowledge hit me. Hey, there's someone in the, in the room, you have, you have a hormonal issue. And after that, a prophecy came, and I said, and God is healing you in this very instant. And I was unaware of what was going on, and she said she could feel warmth and heat go through her entire body, up and down her body. And she went to the restroom and checked herself, and there was no more blood. All the blood had dried up, and God had completely healed her. And uh, isn't that beautiful? Like, Jesus is so kind, you know? 
And uh, it's just, that's, just, that's just wonderful. Um, here, here in the state, we've seen blindness healed. Uh, we've seen deaf ears open up. In our church, just about a month and a half ago, I was, I was sharing with one of the ladies this morning, uh, about a month and a half, maybe two months ago, we have Tuesday night, we call it Gatekeeper Prayer, um, and it's just intercession. That's all it is. There's nothing fancy about it. We just come to the church and we intercede. Um, and we have gatekeeper's prayer, and in the middle of gatekeeper's prayer, we didn't even pray, but a lady who has been deaf in one of her ears for 25 years, her ear opened up while we're all praying. Uh, and, and I believe that, in uh, and, and the words of Reinhard Bonnke, who was a, the greatest evangelist, I think, to ever live, but in the words of Reinhard Bonnke, uh, the, these expressions, these, these gifts of the Spirit healing, uh, God doesn't heal people to show that he's powerful, he heals because he loves. Reinhard Bonnke says it like this. He says, I, I play the piano not to prove to you that I have fingers. I play the piano because I love I play the piano because I love music. And in the same way, God doesn't heal the sick to show I am powerful. It's his love language. It's his love language. So if you're here and you're sick this morning, I just believe God wants to heal you. I just do. It's some of you are going to be healed. Um, he does this. He does this. I think uh, last night, I was watching our church online. Last, last night, our church experienced, we have church on Saturday nights, evenings, and the power of God swept through a couple weeks ago at our church. Uh, we had four healings in a service, and uh, not only do we have four healings in our service, there's a missionary who is in Guatemala, and she doesn't have easy access to a doctor, and she hurt her foot about a year ago, and she's been in pain, constant pain since then, and she's, it's, it's kind of not fully immobilized her, but it's partially immobilized her. And while watching online, God healed her foot. She said she could feel energy go into her body. It's a weird way to put it, but it's what she, that was her testimony. In her words, obviously, we know that's the Holy Spirit. And God healed her foot. And so I just, if you're here and you have any sickness in your body, can you raise your hand for me? We're just going to pray real quick. If you have sickness in your body, sickness, disease, anything like that. Last night, our church was praying for open wounds, uh, that people that want to want to receive, you know, life in their wombs that have been unable to have children. Our church was praying for that, and it's going to be fun to see what happens happens out of that, but if you're here, we're going to raise your hand again. Now, look around, and if there's somebody near you with their hand up, how many know God doesn't just use the person behind the pulpit? He uses the body. So what we're going to do is, if you're near somebody that has their hand up, uh, if maybe ask them first, because some people don't want to be touched. I understand that, but ask them if I could just put your hand on their shoulder, and I want you to pray, and let's just see what God does over the next, like, 60 seconds. Is that okay? So go ahead and lift your hand up, and you say, I need God to heal me this morning. Let's just let's lift your hand up. All right, now go ahead, and if you've got somebody with their hand up, put your hand on them, and let's just pray over them. This is a good thing. How many know we are called to heal the sick? This is what Jesus said. We're called. That's not for the pastors. It's for the whole body. My role as a five-fold minister is to equip you to do the work of the ministry, all right? So go ahead, and in the name of Jesus, let's just ask for God to come and heal. And the name name of Jesus, we just ask for your healing presence to begin to fall on people. We ask, Father, that you would come and even send angels to just minister healing in this room this morning. We ask, Father, that you would begin to, in backs, uh, like bulge disc. I don't know if there's anybody here and you have a bulge disc in your back. If that's you, just wave your hand at me. I feel like that's a word of knowledge. Is that you? Just raise your hand. Awesome. Right there. Cool. I just ask, Lord, for a healing of the bulge disc right now in Jesus' mighty name. I pray, I pray Father, for healing in knees and 
ankles and, and, and people's blood, Lord, for incurable diseases. We just ask for healing to flow through this room. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, we just come against sickness and we command sickness to leave in the authority of Jesus of Nazareth. We command sickness to get out in Jesus' name. We thank you for healing in Jesus' mighty name. Now, if you're here and you can test, some people can't test, but some, if you can test your body out, if there was soreness, if there was immobility, uh, give yourself a test really quick. And if you can feel better, wave your hand at me. This might be different for some of you, I understand, but that's okay. If you feel any better, if you can test out if there was soreness, stiffness, immobility. We were in Juno, and there was a person who had surgery, and they had a metal rod in their body. Some of you guys are not going to believe me, and that's okay. They had a metal rod in their body, and they were unable to bend a certain way. And after prayer, they were able to bend where they previously could not bend. And so God actually dissolved the metal that was in their body from surgery and healed them. And so, so test things out. Can you move where you previously couldn't move? And if, if you feel even just... 10%, well, let's say 50% better. Wave your hand at me if you feel amazing. So we got one right there, two right there, I mean, three right there. So we've got several people that are just saying, yeah, they testify. They're, they're experiencing the healing touch of Jesus. Isn't that good? Come on, Jesus. Come on. I'm telling you, sometimes we just need to pray for the sick. We just need to pray for the sick. So, um, well, listen, I, I want to share this uh, this morning uh, I got a message I do want to share with you guys. Uh, my wife was texting me during worship this morning, which, uh, Mitch, worship was so beautiful. Thanks for leading us. Uh, it was so good. And my wife texted me, and she said, hey, uh, she said, I'm praying for fire and joy to hit the place. So she's watching right now, so um, I just say, yes, Lord, to that. <laughs> Um, hey, I want to do this. Before I preach my message, uh, there's, there's something that the Lord's given me to tell people wherever I go, and so I'm going to tell you kind of an instructor the Lord's put on my heart, and then I'm going to teach what I feel God's calling me to teach today, and that is this. You are powerful. <laughs> All right. All right. I get excited about this. There are too many believers that don't view themselves as powerful. You are powerful. Can you say, I am powerful? Come on, I hope you believe it in your heart. All right, well, I want you to get this, okay? I want you to get this. 44 times in Romans 6, 7, and 8, 44 times in three chapters, the Bible says that you are dead to sin. Dead to sin, dead to sin, dead to sin, dead to sin. I want you to know something. If you're here and you have chosen to follow Jesus, you have a new nature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, behold, the old, all of those old things, they're dead and gone, and any Anyone who is in Christ is what? A new creation, a new creature. So that means if you are here and you are born again, you've said yes to Jesus, you follow him as your master, Lord, Savior, Redeemer, Father, you follow Jesus, you do not have a sin nature. You have a new nature. And does that mean you can't sin? No, of course you can still choose to sin. Look at Adam in the garden. God didn't create Adam with a sin nature, but Adam still chose to sin. It just means it's no longer your nature to sin. That means sin is not your master. It can tempt you, but you are not forced to obey. 
obey temptation. You're free from it. It's not your master. It's not your nature anymore. You've actually been made the righteousness of God. So I want you to know this. You are powerful. You are a new creation. Not only are you a new creation, I want you to get this. Colossians chapter 2 says that through the death of Jesus on the cross, by the blood of Jesus that was shed, our enemy was disarmed and that he made a public spectacle of every power, demonic power, principality, and authority, and he embarrassed them by triumphing over them through his work on the cross. So listen, you are a new creation that doesn't have a sinful nature anymore. Your enemy has been completely disarmed. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I leave, for when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come to you. So in other words, I want you to get, he says, it's to your advantage. In other words, not only are you a new creation and your enemy disarmed, you have an advantage. So now we're up to, right? So you have an advantage, not just new creation, and not only is your enemy disarmed, we have advantage. I think we should take advantage of our advantage. Come on, man. So you have an advantage. You've got an advantage. Now, not only do you have an advantage, let's just say somehow that the enemy, somehow the enemy could, could, could look around and find, because he's been disarmed, if he could find a fiery dart to pick up and throw at you, the Bible says that you've been given a shield of faith which extinguishes the fiery darts of the devil. The, the book of Romans says, you're not just a conqueror, that you are more than a conqueror. So you conquer things that conquer people. Bro, are you hearing me? I want you, I think Christians sometimes live in a defeated mentality. I want you to understand something. As a believer, a born again follower of Jesus Christ, full of Holy Spirit, you are powerful. You are meant to live your life tormenting hell with the goodness of heaven. I think too many people have been tormented by demons and we should start tormenting demons with heaven. Ah! You're powerful. Wherever you go, Holy Spirit goes. You're a walking time bomb of God's goodness. Dude, you gotta get this. You gotta get this. You're actually, I tell people all the time, right? I tell people this all the time. The Bible says that before you were conceived, God has plans and purposes for you. This is my paraphrase, this is what the scriptures say. All right, so, so how do I translate that? What, what this looks like is this, that God, not only are you the affection of God's love, you're not only the object of his affection, as that beautiful word came forth this morning, but I would also say you're the vehicle of his dreams. <laughs> Selah. He had a dream for 2021, and he saw this moment in time, and he wrapped your human flesh around a dream and brought you into the world. You're made with purpose and destiny. Come on. Whether, whether you're an educator like my wife or a pastor like me or you're, you're a, you work with your hands or you work with your mind, whatever it is you do, you're made to influence the world around you with the influence of the king. Come on. He, okay. Okay, thank you, Jesus. I like that. I already feel better. I think we can go home. <laughs> I feel good. Here's what I want to do. I want to teach this morning. I'm going to call this message Vessels of Honor. 
Um, typically, I like to preach, and there's going to be a little bit of preaching here. If you can't tell, I'm a preacher. Uh, but the Lord, Lord dropped something in my heart two weeks ago. I shared this with our church last weekend, and I want to share it with you today. I, I, had, I had about three messages rolling around in my heart to talk about on this morning. And this morning in prayer, while, while some of the intercessors were praying for me, there was a couple words that came out that just said, this is the direction to go. So I'm going to go with this direction. And it's more of a teaching than a preaching. I'm going to call it Vessels of Honor. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, it says this. I'm going to uh, read verses uh, 13 through 16. I'm reading out of the ESV translation. And uh, so here we go. Matthew, or, yeah, Matthew 5, 13, 16, it says this. This is Jesus talking, by the way, okay? This is Jesus. He says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and they put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they can see your good works and give God glory to your father, or give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right, here's where I want to go. Ready? I'm going to take. Uh, let me see what time it is here. All right, so I'm going to take probably about 20 minutes or so and unpack this, and then I'm going to I'm going to bring a word that I think attaches. But here's I want to give you a statement, and and we're gonna we're gonna unpack what the statement means. But this is this is the big thought for today. You ready? You are called to be a leader. This is the simple big thought today. You are called to be a leader. Uh, to help emphasize what I mean by that, the person sitting in your chair is called to be a leader. All right? It's easy to look around and look at titles, positions, uh, or charismatic people that have big personalities and go, they're clearly a leader. But every person in this room, Jesus looked to those who were listening to him and following to him, uh, following him, and, and he says this, you are the light of the world. Now, he also said he's the light of the world, but I want you to see Jesus is one of the most empowering leaders we've ever seen on the face of the earth. He says, I'm the light of the world, and what's he immediately do? He gives his light away, and he goes, now, you're the light of the world. So I want to point out a couple things here. Number one, you are the light of the world. Like you, sitting in the chair that you're in, you are the light of the world. Second thing I want to point out is where is your light to shine? Towards others. It says, let your light shine in front of others. In other words, your light is not the light of the church. It's the light of the world. Your light should be seen in dark places. Uh, I would define this, uh, John Maxwell, if there's any leadership fans in the place, John Maxwell, who's like the world's leadership guru, you know, John Maxwell defines leadership as simple as this, influence. Leadership is influence, is what he says. And so if you have influence with people, you have leadership with someone. So maybe the only leadership you have is leadership with a son or a daughter, maybe in your family. Uh, but chances are every person in this room has influence with somebody, so you have a measure of leadership. And you are called to lead. You are called. Not everybody's called to stand in front of millions of people and change the whole world at once. But you're called to lead your world. And if your world looks like your husband and two kids in your house, lead that world. You know what I mean? If your world looks like, like, like anybody, whether it's friends, whether they're in a position of authority over you or you're in a position of authority under them, at the end of the day, if you have influence up, down, or all around, 
That's leadership. And God has said this about you. You, 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 you are the light of the world. All right, I want, are you guys following me, right? I want you to get this. This is a big deal. We're going to look at this. So as believers, Christians, disciples, followers of Jesus, the bride of Christ, whatever terminology and adjective you want to use for what this thing is, as Christians, we are called by God to lead, not to be influenced by the world, but to be influencers within the world. And so that does not have to do with your vocation. It has to do with you carrying Jesus. You are light, okay? Now, how many of you know that indecisive leaders are ineffective leaders? Some of you guys are like, yeah, you're talking about my work right now. <laughs> we've all been in a place where we've been near someone who's in a, in a position of influence, and they're indecisive, and it causes headaches. It's like, just make a decision already. Like, tell me what to do, or give us direction. Like, even if it's a bad one, we can change course later, right? Like, indecisive leaders are ineffective leaders. And if God has called you to be a leader, I'm going to throw this out at you. You need to make a decision today. You need to make a decision. If you're going to be effective with your influence, if you're going to be effective in your leadership in the world, you need to make a decision today. And your decision is going to be this. What do I do with light? Are y'all following me? You with me? This, you are the light of the world. He's called us to lead. Indecisiveness leads to ineffectiveness. If we want to be effective in the Great Commission, if we want to be effective in this prayer that Jesus teaches in Matthew 6, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we want to be effective in seeing the influence of God's righteous reign touch our community, our families, our workplaces, we have to be, uh, we have to predetermine, I will not be silent. I will not be influenced by anything that robs light. Are you guys following? So you, you got to make a decision, all right? So this is, this is the thing. Now, I say that to say this, that as leaders, I think you need to be aware of something, all right? And this is an interesting one because I've never preached in this environment before, but I'm going to talk to you like I know you and hope, I hope you follow me, right? As leaders, you need, you need to understand something, and that's this that there is a political spirit at work in the world today. Here we go. Let's have some fun. <laughs> there is a political spirit at work in the world today. Now, what you need to understand as a leader is this, that that political spirit has an agenda. And the agenda of this political spirit is anti-Christ. Now, I want to clarify what I mean by that. This spirit is not anti-Jesus. It's the word Christ means anointed one. This political spirit is not anti-Jesus. It's anti the anointing. Selah. It's not anti... Uh, the, the political spirit would say, Oh, I love, yeah, Jesus, love, mercy, grace. But the moment you begin to present a gospel that brings about power to change... I don't want change. Who are you to try to change me? It's not anti-Jesus. It's anti-Christ. Anti the anointed one. Give me love, grace, mercy, just as long as love looks like tolerance. But in Revelation, Jesus is writing to the messengers of the seven churches. And to one of the churches, he says, he says this, you did not tolerate Jezebel. He praised intolerance in the church. 
Hello, let's go ahead and talk about it. This is what he praised. He actually praised an intolerance. And I want you to understand, as a leader in the world that's called to demonstrate light, there's a political spirit that has an agenda that is anti the anointing, anti the anointed one. Now, here's the deal about this. Uh, the result of this I'll put it this way. One of the goals of this spirit, the influence of this spirit, one of the goals of this thing is it, it actually wants, uh, how do I say this? Let me, let, me, let me look how I said this. One of the goals of the spirit is to deceive Jesus followers into thinking that to be effective in reaching the lost, we have to be liked by the lost. This is its goal. If you want to be effective to reach the world, you must be liked by the world. Because if they don't like you, they won't listen to you. And if they don't listen to you, they'll never come to him. So this political spirit actually manifests in a form that says, you need people to like you. Are you all with me? Okay. Now, if they don't like us, how are they going to listen to us? If they don't listen to us, they're never coming to Jesus. So the result of the influence of this spirit and this line of thinking is that local churches and individual Jesus followers, they, they, end up, oh, they, they, they end up compromising convictions and truth in the name of love. The result of this political spirit that says, you, you to be effective as a leader, to be effective in the Great Commission, you have to be liked. And that means if you have to be liked, that means that, means that you need to be quiet with things that, are, that, that create lines in the sand. Because then they won't like you, and if they don't like you, they won't listen to you. So in the name of love, compromise convictions and truth. This is a spirit that's, that's at work in the church and the world. This is a spirit, and as a leader, you need to be aware of this thing. Now, I, I, I want to I say this. The, the church being, yeah, right here, this church, my local church, but, but beyond that, the, the, bi, the big capital C church, I'm talking. The church has to break up with her fear of being disliked by people. Come on. Uh, you, 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 me. You have to break up with your fear of being disliked by people. We've got to break up with this fear. It's unhealthy. It's an unhealthy fear. And we have to break up with this unhealthy fear. Or in other words, I'll put it this way. We have to, instead of just saying a fear to be disliked, let me, let me rephrase this in a way. You have to break up with your unhealthy desire to be liked by people. Are y'all following me now? Now, here's the thing. We don't need people to like us, but we do need to love people. I don't need them to like me, but I need to love them. So, so let's, let's unpack this a little bit. This is, this, is, this is really important. We are called to lead. Jesus said to you, to me, to his followers, this is what the master, this is what the king said about us. You are light. <laughs> you are light. Now, I want you to understand a quality of leadership, right? One of the qualities of effective leaders is that a leader leads from a place of conviction. Now, whether they, a, they're a righteous leader or an 
immoral leader, both leaders when they're effective. So you could look at world history and you could see leaders that were powerfully effective that were wickedly immoral. But part of their effectiveness is they had convictions that, and their convictions were immoral, wrong, sinful, but their convictions drove them into effectiveness. Righteous leaders have convictions that drive them into effectiveness. So I need you, I need you to follow this, right? I need you to get this. Uh, it is important for you as a Jesus follower to understand that this political spirit wants you to compromise your convictions in the name of love and create an unhealthy desire in you to be liked by everyone around you. But here's the deal. As Jesus followers, we are not responsible to come up with our own convictions. I don't pick out my convictions from my own flesh. I don't create my own convictions. My convictions, uh, a good way to put this is this, every leader moves from a place of conviction and we are light and our convictions are not created in our hearts or in our minds. As a Jesus follower, we adopt the convictions of the king. Are you with me? Like, like, I adopt the king's convictions, not my convictions. And the king's convictions come from two places. One is 66 books. These, these 66 books include the convictions I have to adopt into my life. So whether I agree or disagree, I don't make God bend around me. I bend to him. So these are where my convictions come from. And these are the convictions that I am called to actually champion in the world. Now there's a second place convictions come from, and that's not just the authoritative word of God that is infallible. But the second place convictions come from is the person of the Holy Spirit. And these are convictions that are, are extra, not anti. They will never be anti-biblical. They're extra-biblical. And this is why maybe a person who has a history with certain things, the Lord says you cannot do this. But it's important when you have a Holy Spirit conviction, you don't enforce your convictions on other people. What we do enforce are biblical convictions. The Lord might say to you, you are not allowed to watch this comedy. It's a trigger or something. But that doesn't mean nobody can watch that comedy. It's a conviction from the Holy Spirit to you. And we need to have grace for people that bring the Holy Spirit brings conviction to. But we need to enforce convictions the Bible is clear about. Are you guys following me with me? Okay, this is not my typical on-the-road message. Normally, my on-the-road message is of, like, fire of God. But I feel like this is actually a prophetic message for the season that we're in as a body of Christ in America. So I'm going to teach it. All right, now, now, with that being said, I want you to understand something. Jesus said, you are light, and the very nature of light is, that is distinctly different from darkness. They don't blend. Darkness and light, I know, real profound. Darkness and light don't blend. But I, I, want, I want to, let's follow that. My friends, there are things the church will never blend with. It will not blend. Oil and water. There will be separation. And there are things that I, as a follower of Jesus, will never blend with. And that the church will never blend with. Light and dark are distinctive from one another. And, and here's, here's the thing. Not only does this mean there's things that the church will never blend with. It means that our convictions and the convictions of the world at times are not just going to be uh, opposite of each other. They're actually going to be in opposition of each other. And this is where that political spirit comes into play. 
So as a Jesus follower, you have two options. Two options. Let your light shine, not in the church, but in the dark world. Or put a basket of fear over you. And indecisive leaders are ineffective leaders. These are your two options as Jesus followers. Will I let shine in a dark place, light shine? What happens when you shine light in a dark place? It doesn't blend with darkness. That means there's going to be people that go, I really dislike what you carry. And so you have an option. I either just come to terms that I will not be liked by everybody, or I put a basket of fear over my light. Are y'all with me? All right. Now, I want you to see this. Jesus loves this world. He loves every last person. There is not one person in all of creation who is not precious to the master. But Jesus' love never caused him to compromise or water down truth. Not once did he compromise or water down truth in the name of love. He never changed his message to appeal to people. This is really critical for the church in this hour, for the American church right now. He never changed his message to appeal to people. His love was not connected to people-pleasing. Your love cannot be tied to people-pleasing. All right? In other words, he had one audience to please, and that was his father. But it didn't change. He loved everyone. And you have an audience of one, our Father who's in heaven. This is the one I aim to please. This is the one I aim to please. And Jesus never allowed rejection from people to manipulate his message, his presentation, or his actions. And in the same for us, we cannot allow rejection from people to manipulate our message, our actions, or, or our presentation of the gospel. But a political spirit will try to put a basket of fear over your light. And here's the thing. What does fear look like? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm gonna to just be very honest right now with our American culture. Fear looks like this. Fear looks, fear looks like this. Okay, um, I don't want to be slandered as homophobic, so I'm never going to talk about the LGBTQ agenda infiltrating our society or church. Was I, I, probably, I probably shouldn't have said that. I should have been afraid to say that behind a pulpit, shouldn't I? Like, like this, this is the reality. Like, I don't want to be, I actually, I have friends that are gay and I love them. I, I legitimately do. Before starting our church and the church was able to pay me full time, I worked at a Starbucks and then I worked at a local coffee shop. And I had some friends, and I still have them. We just don't talk all the time anymore. But I have friends that, that, that lived and had a worldview wildly different than mine. And I love them. But here's the reality of the situation. Here's the reality of this thing. Is fear will say, because you love them, they're going to, if you say what you think, they're going to say you're homophobic and they will slander you and they will hate you, so don't talk about it. This is the political spirit. Oh, let's not talk about abortion. Like, oh my gosh, I should be afraid to say that anything about that in the church because now it's political and we need to be politically correct. Oh gosh, it just got so quiet in here. I love you. I hope to come back someday. <laughs> I, I want you to, like, like, like these are just a couple examples, but here's, here's the, the reality of the situation is I'm afraid of being slandered. And the truth is, 
The political spirit, I want you to, I want to unpack how the political spirit works. The political spirit will never attack your motives. It will attack your, your actions. In other words, it will prey on a pure heart. My heart is pure. I love people. And because I love them, I don't want them to think I hate them. But they think if I disagree with them, I hate them. So I'm going to walk on my tiptoes and be oh so careful to not say anything that could bring an offense because I actually love them. So the spirit will prey on a pure heart, but it plays out in actions of compromise. This is how this thing works. Here's the problem with deception is it's deceiving. Y'all with me, right? Normally when I travel and preach, I'm like, fire of God. Let's get in the glory. Let's see all kinds of healings. We might, we might get there today. But, but I actually feel, uh, this is one of the messages, because I, I feel like this is a really critical prophetic word for the body of Christ right now. It's just a teaching that the world, that the American church needs. And this morning in prayer, uh, one of the intercessors began to talk about, I feel like the Lord wants to hit fear. And I'm like, well, I know what press message I'm preaching now. So this is why I'm, I'm, this is why I'm sharing this today. Now, I, I want you to see this thing, right? This, this political spirit will try to gain influence through reasoning with your mind by saying you love them, don't you? If you love them, they're going to think that you hate them, and then you'll never be effective. So instead, let's compromise our truth. Let's compromise our, our values. And what happens is we put a basket of fear of being slandered over our light. We put a basket of fear of being rejected over our light. And the fear so much isn't that, like, uh, the, the fear is actually this, like, like uh, it's like, I, I, I actually, I, I do love them, and I want them to know I love them. So that's where the fear is, that they're going to think I don't love them, but, but we end up putting this fear. My friends, we're called to be leaders, and we're called to be light. And here's the reality. When you have convictions, and you have a place of standing, and your convictions don't come from your own mind, your own flesh, your own heart. They come from the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And when you have convictions, the reality is, is not everybody will agree with your convictions. It's a simple truth, but I feel like for some reason in America, we've forgotten this. And I, I need to highlight it by the Spirit of God. This is a simple truth. And so when you take a stand on your convictions, there will be people that oppose you. Now, Ephesians 4, 15, it says this, to speak the truth in, anybody know? Love. There are some people that just love to speak the truth, Right? We've all been around that person. Got a little too much to say. But, but this Bible says, speak the truth in love. Last night, uh, the senior associate leader of our church, he was preaching while I'm gone. And he, he's a five-fold evangelist, and he's powerful. And he, he said something, I just, I wrote it down and took notes. I'm like, whoa, Jake, this is so good. And he said this. He said, if you have to tell somebody they're going to hell, you better not tell them that without tears in your eyes. Like, like, if you have to say, listen, you're on a pathway that's actually going to lead you to eternity apart from God, you actually better be weeping in that process of telling them that. We speak the truth, but we speak the truth in love. We do this in love. And speaking in love does not mean compromising the truth. I want you to look at Colossians 3.12. Colossians 3.12 says this, to clothe ourselves in compassion humility, gentleness, and patience. 
This is what you as the church, me as Jesus, all of us as Jesus followers, as disciples of the master, this is what we are commanded to do. To clothe ourselves in humility and to, uh, to clothe ourselves in compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now I want you to, I want to define these things. Compassion doesn't mean that you have permission to be walked on. Sometimes we look at compassion, humility, gentleness, and patience. We see these things as passivity. We see these things as, as uh, like, like weakness. But I wanted to find this. Compassion doesn't mean that you, have, you give everybody permission to walk all over you. In other words, you can be firm while, while, while having a heart to help someone. I can be firm while still my heart says, I want to help you. That's compassion, right? Uh, humility. Humility does not mean timidity. Like, like I, I can actually be courageous while remaining humble. Uh, 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 gentleness. Gentleness does not mean passive. In other words, you can be forward with somebody without being pushy with somebody. Like, this is what we clothe ourselves in. And, and we can be patient. Patience does not mean to have no action. You actually can take action without being that, that pushiness, that shoving things down people's You can take action without being, like, pushy. Like, so, so let me, I wanna, with all that being said, I want to kindly remind you of something that our master told us. And that is this. God promised, he never promised us life would be easy. God never promised you that your life would be easy. Uh, he did promise you that he would never leave you. And he did promise you that he would send you the comforter and the Holy Spirit. So God didn't promise us that life would be easy and that we would always be liked. In fact, look at the words of Jesus that he left us. John 15. And I'm going to start to close this thing down here in just a minute. But John 15, it says this, verse 18 through 21. If the world hates you, know that it hated me first. You don't hear this one preached very often on Sundays. <laughs> but if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. And if you were one of the world, they would love you as their own. But, but because you're not one of the world, and I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So remember the word that I said to you, a servant's not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And if they kept my word, they'll keep your word. They'll keep yours. So guys, there's going to be people that follow you, and there's going to be people that hate you. And if they would follow Jesus, they're going to follow you. And if they would reject Jesus, they're going to reject you. We're like our master. Verse 21. But all these things they will do to you on the account of my name, because they don't know him who sent me. Now, isn't that encouraging? <laughs> I'm being facetious. I just feel so... I felt so lifted up by that. <laughs> but this is, this is the reality of, of the gospel. But there's a spirit that's influencing, and on, uh, sadly, like a virus, it's, it's spread throughout the church. And it's caused us to put, put a fear, a basket of fear over our light. And we need to speak the truth, but my friends, my, my plea to you is that you better do it in love. You better do it in love without compromising one ounce of truth. But oh, for God so loved the world, while we were still sinners, he died for us. I'm not at war with the world. My battle's not against flesh and blood. If anything, our battle's for flesh and blood. Not with it. 
my, my battle's not against flesh and blood. It's against powers, principalities, rulers, and dark places. And guess what? According to the Bible, we have been given permission and wisdom and divine power for the pulling down of demonic strongholds. Strongholds, where are strongholds? Does anybody know? Has anybody done a research on this thing? Demonic strongholds exist in people's minds. They're patterns of thought. And this is why Romans 12, none of this is in my, in my notes. We're going to take a sidetrack here. I think it's important for this moment. Romans 12 says this, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God will transform our heart, right? He does the heavy lifting. Salvation, he does the heavy lifting. We could never save ourselves. We're dead. We're dead in our sins. We could not cause ourselves to be born again. Uh, he does the heavy lifting through the work of his spirit and the work of his blood shed on the cross. But he does leave something to us. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's something that happens. Now, how do I remove my, renew my mind? One, I do it by the word of God with the aid of my teacher, who is the Holy Spirit. Let, let me tell you something. That you're going to the scriptures without the Holy Spirit will only produce and manifest religion. Let me say it again. If you go to the scriptures with the absence of the spirit, it will manifest in religion. Rules, legalism. Uh, there's only one way to the Father, and the way to the Father is not a legalistic way. Yes, there's the Isaiah highway of holiness. We're called to walk and we're called to follow. But legalism is not the way to the Father. Uh, the road is narrow. There's one gate, but the narrow road is not self-righteous acts. The narrow road is there's Jesus. Not Confucius, not Muhammad, not Allah, not self-righteous acts. Acts, not, not even service, not enough prayers, not good church attendance. The only way to the Father is to step into the Son, Jesus Christ. It's what Paul wrote, and he said, clothe yourselves, clothe yourselves, Romans 13, 14, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that he said that because that's a continuation of Matthew 22 where Jesus was talking about the wedding banquet, and in Matthew 22, he, uh, he gives this parable, and they send out people into all the highways and byways to invite anyone that would come in so that his wedding hall would be filled with guests, and Matthew 22, in this parable from Jesus, it says the wedding hall was filled with good people and with bad people. Now, we read that and we think only good people, but this is Jesus' parable. If you don't believe me, go study this this week and read it, and you'll see these are not Ryan's words. These are the words of the master. The wedding hall, which is a picture of paradise, it's a picture of heaven, was filled with good people and bad people. So there were people that did bad things that got into the place. And the one person that Jesus, the master, the king came to said, Sir, sir, excuse me, you're not wearing the right clothes. Wear your clothes. He was not wearing wedding attire. And what happened? He was the one that was kicked out to where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why was he kicked out? Not because he was a bad person, because he wasn't wearing the right clothes. I read that for the longest time. I said, that makes no sense to me. That makes no sense until I came across Romans 13, 14, where it says, clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yourself, does, am I giving you permission to live however you want? Absolutely not. Because when you clothe yourself in Jesus, You'll adopt the ways of Jesus, but sanctification's a process, not always instantaneous. Now, this being said, there's going to be people that are going to have behavior that I strongly disagree with, and I'm probably going to sit at the, at, the wedding, at the wedding supper of the Lamb with some of those people, because even though I might be more sanctified than them, we've both clothed ourselves in Christ. Ah! 
Clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so he, we clothe ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ, but still there's a process of transformation that has to take place. Romans 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what happens is you can be set free in your heart, but you're still living in old habits of your life because your mind doesn't realize how free your heart actually is. He set your heart free, but your mind is still in bondage because in your mind, there's strongholds of thought from 20 years of addiction, from 20 years of repeated habits, from 20 years of, of living from the place of the kingdom of darkness, but we have power to pull down these strongholds, and as we pull down these strongholds, we will see transformation in our living. Now, what happens collectively when you go to a city, Wasilla, when you go to a state, Alaska, when you go to a nation, America, what happens is collectively there's something called groupthink, right? What happens is when you get a, a majority of people that have similar strongholds in their minds, that stronghold is no longer an individual stronghold. It becomes a stronghold over a people, over a group. And so what we've got to do is present the gospel on a ground, on, a, on like a grassroots ground level to go, and it's what Isaiah said, we have to infiltrate, destroy, and then rebuild. Ah, Jesus. It's 11.59, time for me to shut it down. If you want to come back on up here. Jesus, help us. You got to get rid of that basket of fear, bro. We can't live in fear. I want to be effective. I want to be effective. I want to be effective. I want to see broken marriages restored. I want to see lost sons and daughters come back home. I want to see addicts set free. I want to see transgender people out of confusion and brought back into their right mind and understand their sexuality. And guess what? We are seeing those things. I want to see the sick healed. I want to see the demon eyes set free. We see those things and I want to see it more. I want Jesus is worthy of Wasilla. Jesus is worthy of, of Wasilla. He's worthy of Big Lake. He's, he's worthy of Palmer. He's worthy of Alaska. Jesus is worthy. And I will not bow to a spirit that causes me to live in fear. And if the world hates me, let them hate me. But Jesus is worthy of this thing and I have made a decision to let my light shine and my, sh my, my shining light does not shine to expose so it brings uh, shame to people. I don't want to shine a light on sin so I go, oh, look at how bad you are. It, it's, it's the light of the gospel that causes, it comes on and the termites flee. The critters get out. It's the it's the being brought into the surgery. Could you imagine a doctor doing surgery on you in a dark room? I want my light to sign so we can go, oh, there's the cancer. I see it. Let's get it out before it kills them. Not, it, not to expose to bring shame, but to bring an exposure to heal. I can't heal if I don't see what's wrong. But there's people, they hate the light. And so they will hate you. And this political spirit will prey on the motives of your love and manifest in your actions through compromise. Church, we're not, we're not called to be liked by people. We're called to love people. And how do I love? How do I love? Oh my goodness. I'm going to... Uh, how, how do I love? I want to be like cave, uh, David in the cave of Adullam. Bring me the broken. Bring me the abused. 
bring me the people that smell really bad. (laughs) Bring me those whose financial lives are a mess and bring me the the wealthy, but, but they're like, they think they got it all together and they don't realize how depraved they are. Just, how do I love? I just, it's like, I make room in my life for people without commanding them to look exactly like me and I don't compromise the truth of the gospel. When they get near me, guess what they find? They find healing. They find restoration. They find identity. They find the Father's love. And when they reject me, they're rejecting those things. But if you get near, how do I love the world? I preach the gospel. And let me tell you something, signs, wonders, miracles, the sick being healed, demons being cast out, these things are not, these things do not validate the truth of the gospel. They are the very expression of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Some people look at signs, wonders, and miracles as things that validate. Oh, yep, the gospel's real because we see that. Sure, there's a validation, but they're not there to validate. They're there to be the very expression of the gospel itself. It's not a gospel of words. It's a gospel of power that touches hearts and brings life transformation. But if I put fear over myself, I mitigate my influence. So you need to make a decision. Brian, I don't even know how to start today just by saying to somebody, you go to Kaladi's Coffee on your way home, what if they had 300 people come to them and say, hey, have you heard Jesus loves you today? Start with those words, Jesus loves you. That's a, man, that is an invitation for a conversation to open up. Start with these words next time you go out to eat. Hey, you're going to think I'm crazy, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I'm actually, I'm a Christian, I was wondering, can I pray for you? And then who knows, you might get a word of knowledge. But open the door. Open the door, and they might say, no, okay, cool. God loves you. What if we just let the light shine in naturally supernatural ways? All right, I got to shut it down. You guys can play here. Oh, if you're here in this room today, and you, maybe you love, maybe you've been in church, maybe you're, you're, you're new here, and you're not in relationship with God, I want to give you the opportunity to come into relationship with God through the person of Jesus. Maybe you're here in this room today and you have a relationship with church, a relationship with pastors, relationship with other Christians, but you don't have a relationship with God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. If you don't know the voice of the Father, you're probably not a sheep. My sheep know my voice. Your mediator is not a pastor, is not a leader, and is not a small group leader. Your mediator is the person of Jesus. He is the one that you need, but whenever we come to him, every light bulb needs to be plugged in. And a church is a great place to be plugged in. We need community. A candle has to be set on a stand, and a church is a community that, man, let's let's come in here. We need to be plugged in. But Jesus is ultimately the one you have to be in relationship with. You have to be in relationship with him. So maybe you have a relationship with church, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Today, I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you can say, honestly, Ryan, I actually don't know if I were to drive down these roads and something happened and I lost control of my car or someone else lost control of their car and they hit me. I don't know where I would spend eternity. I think I know, but I can't say that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. I, I, I don't know that I know that I know that I know where my eternity would be. Uh, if you're here, you can leave this room knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt where you will spend eternity with no question in your mind. The Bible says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. 
The Bible says this, that if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you confess with your mouth that God is, if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you, you're, you're going to be saved. So we can, we can, you can leave here today knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are in right standing with the Father. Maybe this morning you sinned on your way to church. Maybe this morning you sinned before you got to church and you felt dirty, you felt conviction. Maybe last night, maybe this weekend, uh, with thinking nobody knew, you, you drank and you, you got into a place of drunkenness. Listen, there's no shame in these things. There's no shame in these things. There's shame to stay there. But when you come into the light, the shame falls off. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And my friends, you can live free. Maybe you have habits that are secret sins and you go, I can't tell anybody about this because I've been in church for 30 years. And if I, if I, they would, they would think I'm crazy. They would all know I've been, I've been a hypocrite. Listen, we need to drop, get rid of these things and come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Maybe you're a board member. You say, ah, they will know. Who cares about the stupid titles? Come to Jesus. I don't know if I should say that, but listen. I, I honor leadership, okay? I'm not trying to dishonor. I'm saying, I'm saying, don't let something so insignificant keep you from something as significant as eternity. One is much weightier than the other. Come to Jesus. So if that's you, I want you to just lift your hand and we're all going to pray together. Lift your hand. Anybody in this place? Amazing. I see you guys over there. Anybody back there? I see you. Anybody else? Over there, I see the two of you. Anybody else? If that's you. If your heart's beating a thousand miles on your chest right now, that's you. I'm telling you. That's the Holy Spirit saying, come on. That's you. I see you right there. Anybody else? That's like half a dozen people. Anybody else? You say, I, I, need, I need to know that I know that I know. I think I might be saved, but I don't know for sure. Now's your moment. Let's, we'll just, let's clear the waters. Let's know it. Let's, let's know for sure. Anybody else? Lift up your hand. I didn't see the balcony. Is there anybody in the balcony? Lift up your hand. Anybody else? Thank you. I see you up there. Amazing. God bless you. Anybody else? I want every person in this room to say this with me. I want you to say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I need you. And today, I submit my life to you. Welcome to the kingdom, my friends. Welcome to the fam. Woohoo! There's a, I, I, I didn't get a good count. There's at least a dozen people probably that just came into the kingdom. That's amazing! Thank you, Jesus! It's been a good day. Several people say I'm healed. Several people got saved. Come on, it's been a good morning. Thank you, Jesus, for touching us in Wasilla. Uh, how, how do you want to do this? Uh, do I hand it off to you? I didn't ask you before service. I'm sorry. I, I, do, I, do you want me to dismiss the people? I'll, I'll, I'll hand it off to Go you. It. <laughs> that was awkward. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'll hand it off to you, Pastor. Thank you so much. Do you have anything else? I would love to pray for anybody if they need prayer, if they want prayer, if it's yeah. healing, if it's deliverance, anything like that. I'd love to pray for people. I'll, I'll, I'll pray for hours if we awesome. need Awesome. We're going to open up the altars. If you need prayer for anything, deliverance, healing, uh, whatever it is, come down. And uh, we can have our prayer team come up as well. And, and uh, Pastor Ryan is going to pray at the same time. And the rest of us, uh, you're, you're, you're free to go at any point. But if you want to stay, we're going to just go back into some worship. So you're welcome to stay. You're welcome to sit. You're welcome to stand. King Jesus.